But with anxiety, I do think it's important to note that when I avoid what is triggering it, it makes that connection bigger. So that's where I work with a lot of kids. There are a lot of kids that might have some anxiety about going back to school. And one of the best things that we can do for them is empower them with some tools and resources to manage it and expect it to show up. And then, uh, cause I used to write notes to get kids out of school. <laughs> so, okay, school is causing a kid anxiety. Let me get them out of it. But that was really doing that child a, a disservice. And I switched to saying, okay, how can we make adjustments? How can we give this child a space they can go to, to calm when the anxiety gets big? How can we develop a plan for it? But avoiding things that, that trigger it often make that fear get even bigger. Hey there, I'm Amy Connell. Welcome to Graced Health, the podcast for women who want simple and grace-filled ways to take care of themselves and enjoy a little chocolate in the process. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who wants you to know your eating, movement, and body don't have to be perfect. You just need to be able to do what you're called to do. Okay, how are you feeling about the transition out of COVID life to our quote unquote new normal. Excited, cautious, anxious, all of the above. <laughs> Hand raised over here. My guest today, Dr. Patrice Berry, is a clinical psychologist who is here to help guide us through this transitionary time. She gives us so many nuggets of wisdom and resources throughout this conversation. I know it's going to bless you. Dr. Barry is a licensed clinical psychologist with over 15 years of clinical experience. She received her master's and doctorate in clinical psychology from Regent University, and it was there that she learned how to ethically integrate her faith or integrate faith into treatment. She specializes in treating children, families, adults with histories of trauma, adoption, depression, anxiety, and adjustment issues. She also creates content on TikTok which we're going to talk about at the beginning. And I think you'll be find it really interested, particularly if you have teens or children who are on TikTok, you're going to want to hear this. Uh, also on YouTube, Instagram to help break the stigma associated with mental health, especially within communities of color. And then she also has a fantastic podcast called Legacy Moments that I am sharing with anyone who will listen. Um, also, just a quick disclaimer that Dr. Barry wants you to know she is here for educational purposes and general, and this is just general information. And obviously, if you have specific issues, please speak with your own uh, therapist about that. Now, before we speak to Dr. Barry, I do want to remind you that I have a host of resources of my own over at gracedhealth.com slash resources. Whether you're looking for food, fitness, or faith-based support, I have you covered. There you will find a 14-day devotional, my family's favorite on-the-go protein-powered breakfasts, how to enjoy shame-free health by breaking eight rules and my latest workout offering squat-free strong legs. It has a list of workouts. It has demo videos. It has everything you need to know if you are not able to do squats and lunges. Again, that's at gracedhealth.com slash resources. Okay, let's bring on Dr. Barry. Dr. Barry, welcome to the Grace Health Podcast. Thank you. So glad to be here. 
I'm thrilled you are here and I have way too many questions for you. <laughs> so I want to just jump in and get going. Um, can you, I, I introduced you to my listeners a little bit before we came on, but can you talk to me a little bit about your path to becoming a mental health professional? So before I decided to be a psychologist, I wanted to be an accountant just like my mom. And then I had a bad experience with a middle school counselor that really changed my life in a major way where I really wanted to work with kids and teens. And in my work with kids and teens, it's grown now to working more with adults and families. But really, um, that that whole journey came out of a painful place that God was able to turn around to become my passion and my calling. And it's so easy to see that kind of stuff in hindsight, but so hard when we're going in the middle of it. I mean, you just think, God, why? Why are you letting me do this? Why is this happening to me? So I think that that's a really great testimony to just powering through and God's got it. <laughs> he'll, he'll get you there. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about your videos. One of the things that I really admire about your work and your mission is you are really investing a lot of time on TikTok. Now, I have to admit, as a 46-year-old woman, I'm not on TikTok very much, but I was actually just having lunch and my son, who's a, going to be a senior in high school, is. And so I was like, I'm getting ready to introduce or, you know, to interview Dr. Patrice Berry and, and he pulled it up. He was like, Oh, wow, she's got 26,000 followers, you know, or something like that. And so he was like, Okay, and you know, I think he hit follow. And but anyway, so I think you're, in, you're, you're reaching a really interesting medium that way. Um, what drew you to TikTok? I was working with a client. So I started creating content and building my brand online starting in January of 2020. And I joined TikTok in September of 2020 because a client I was working with, they wanted shorter content. So they wouldn't watch a 5, 10, 15 minute YouTube video. They were like, can you get that down to like 15 seconds to a minute? And um, so I got on the app. My very first day, I started creating content and fell in love with it. I absolutely love the community that I found there. So during COVID, during all that's happened, my caseload has ballooned and I cannot accept new people. I turn away anywhere between three to 10 people every day that want to work with me and can't. And so being able to provide educational content online, I feel like this is my way to give back and really build community for people that maybe can't access a therapist or don't have questions and they don't know how to find one, or I'm just able to reach a wider group of people. And TikTok is very different from Instagram or the other platforms where it gives anyone the opportunity to go viral. So the other platforms I used, you typically had to buy ads to yeah. get more views. But And TikTok recently started ads. I don't really do those. But um, because really, if you create good content, It'll, it can do really well and reach a really wide audience. And that's, that's another piece of my ministry, I believe, is just being a light in, in spaces where people wouldn't expect to see a psychologist or a psychologist that's a Christian. 
I I saw I think it was on one of your links. You had a TikTok video with to ain't it fun, and it was like TikTok mental health or something like that. And it was like depression, anxiety, and, and you know all of that kind of stuff. Was that early on? Because I thought I I saw that I literally laughed out loud. I was like that is so funny because it brought such um, a lightness to topics that can be really hard. And that's what I try to do. So I try to use humor, even in session, even in when, when I'm working with people, if people do have kind of a dark sense of humor or because sometimes laughter can really be healing. And because um, the, the Ain't It Fun video, it's kind of so somebody's scrolling on TikTok and then all of a sudden a psychologist. Oh, yeah. and uh, so I really did love, love that, that video. My personality, I'm naturally pretty bubbly and I like to dance and, and TikTok was just a good, a good fit for me. But, but yes, um, I've had to reframe my idea of professional because I definitely, so I graduated, I am turning 39 this year. I did not learn about being a psychologist on social media in school. And so really I'm yeah. figuring a lot of this out and partnering with other, I've met some amazing therapists on, on TikTok that I've been able to partner with and we're, and we're able to answer, um, to ask each other questions along the way. Oh, that's great. That sounds like a great community. And I have to imagine that you're, you almost, you seem somewhat, you're pretty creative as well to be able to, to put all of that together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really, I really love it. Yeah, I love it. I think that that's a great thing. And, and uh, you, you actually might be the one person who convinces me to get on TikTok just to follow you, there. <laughs> follow you there. Okay, now I want to, um, I want to shift our conversation just a little bit. So you have written a book. Congratulations. We were talking a little bit before we came on about what a big deal this is. But it's called Turning Crisis into Clarity, How to Survive or Thrive in the Midst of Uncertainty. I feel like there is no one listening who has not been in uncertain times over the last year and a half. I mean, and the the trauma runs the gamut, right? I mean, at a minimum, at a minimum, we just had mild, you know, little t trauma of like, what are we going to do? And we're kind of missing our friends and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it, of course, it explodes up into there. So tell us, tell me a little bit more about turning crisis into clarity and uh, what was the, what was the genesis of it? What was, what made you want to write that book? And, you know, I have a podcast with my mom, Mind Your Legacy, and it was a conversation with my mom. She mentioned that crisis can bring about chaos. And I said, well, or it can really bring about clarity. And something about that just really resonated within me that that was a book, that that was something that people needed to hear mm -hmm. because I actually... 2020 was one of the best and worst years of my life. And as a psychologist, we're trained that two things can both be true. I can have a good day and a bad day at the same time. The bad doesn't have to ruin all of the good. The good doesn't always cover the bad, that there's a way to balance both things. And the biggest lesson in, in the book that I hope people get is life is uncertain. And the way that we approach it is that we accept that it is uncertain. And we don't look to, because sometimes we try to control everything. And that's where I think my faith has been really, that helped me get through mm -hmm. because I lost a job in, mm -hmm. in 2020. 
But losing that job opened the door for me to launch my practice. I wouldn't be as vocal on social media as I am on on certain topics if I was still under someone else's business. So really working for myself, open doors, and just passing on some of the lessons and things that I've been sharing with the clients that are in my office, online, and just things that I am practicing myself. And gratitude being a really big one. Our brains are wired for survival. We are not wired to thrive. We are wired. And so if I'm, if a bear is chasing me, I don't need to think, hmm, what color bear is that? I wonder if that's a good or a bad bear. Like your, your thinking brain shuts down and survival kicks in and you get through it. The only bad thing is that sometimes there are minor situations that can trigger that, that same response. And being able to calm our brains and find our peace within the storm. Yeah, I love how you said, you know, be, just the uncertainty and just getting getting comfortable with that, because that is a very uncomfortable place. And I think that any degree of uncertainty, I mean, is, can be, I mean, it's like, well, what, what am I going to do tomorrow in relation to this? Or how am I going to fit these appointments in? I mean, just small things, but it is, it's very uncomfortable. It can be anxiety triggering on for various people with various different ways. And having that mindset, I think is, a really great starting point. Like, okay, this is how it's going to be. It reminds me of, I used to teach a fitness class and I would say, get uncomfortable with, or get comfortable with getting uncomfortable. Like you're going to breathe hard. You're going to sweat. You're going to, you know, whatever. And, and that's okay. It's okay. We're going to take you through it. (laughs) I love that because it really is something that you have to practice. It's not something that, that, that comes naturally. Yeah. Well, you talked a little bit about being chased by a bear and, you know, that's kind of crisis mode. So talk a little bit and you you mentioned some, but can you go into a little more detail about what neurologically happens to our brain when we are in that being chased by a bear or whatever the version of your crisis is? What What's going on inside? I really like the work of Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. Bruce Perry, where they talk about our survival brain and our thinking brain. And in a crisis, our thinking brain shuts down and our emotional or our survival brain um, takes over. And sometimes we call that amygdala hijack, that the amygdala hijacks our thinking brain. And we go into this survival mode where we are and really that that survival mode it helps us get through that that situation but once we're safe we should be able to return to a calmer safer spot the bad thing so there are things sometimes watching too many things on TV or seeing certain things online. There are things that can put us in that mode. And so that's why I really encourage people to be aware of how scrolling on social media impacts them. The things that they're listening to, the things that that they are watching, being intentional about feeding those positive aspects and those positive things, because sometimes our brain, we can hold on to the bad and then the good rolls right off. And so many times, like if I had a really horrible thing that happened yesterday, I would be able to retrieve that very quickly. But then if something, all the positive things that happened, if I didn't intentionally remember those things, some of them may kind of fall by the wayside. And so really being intentional about 
um, and that really helping calm the brain because the brain, body, emotions, all of those things are intricately connected, including our, our spirit. And so if any one of those things get out of whack, it can really affect all of us. And so that's what you're saying a gratitude journal can be really helpful with is doing that intentional remembering. You know, it's funny. I I don't know why this stood out to me so much, but back in um, 2000 or after 9-11 in 2001, you know, this was before streaming and before TiVo and all of that kind of stuff. And so I was scrolling through and I came across a, um, it was a major motion picture. I can't remember which one it was, but it was just all kinds of just stuff blowing up, right? And just like, explosions and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I I sat there for a few minutes and watched it. And I thought, I cannot handle this. I mean, it was just, it was so much. It was so much of that, just the the negative stuff. And I I finally, I was like, I told my husband, I was like, I got to turn this off. I can't, not that that's not typically the movie that I watch anyway. There must not have been anything else on TV. (laughs) But okay, so going back off of Amy's, um, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about when we're in this crisis situation, because I do think that we were from the outside looking in um, from the from the mental health world, I feel like we're in this strange transition mode. So we were all like in collective trauma and we all, I mean, and, and some, I mean, job loss and, and family loss and, and I mean, all kinds of loss. And now we're in this point where we're, okay? Like, okay with the question mark? I think we're okay. And we're getting ready to go back and and going back to school full time, you know, without masks and everything is normal. And we're going back to work. And, and then of course, all of the schedules and all of, I mean, like, which is a different kind of crisis mode, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you agree or not, but how do we, how do we go about finding clarity in that and, and just being comfortable in that uncertainty of like, well, what's going to happen now? The thing that I really like to point out is the fact that anxiety is actually helpful in small amounts. So a little bit of the what if this or what if that. So for me, um, our son, I'm the mom of a almost four-year-old. He will be starting pre-K. And in the back of our mind, my husband and I have talked. So what happens if his classroom shuts down? What happens if one of us come, you know, how are we going to handle if any one of these situations that are, that really could happen, how would we handle this? And having a plan in place, because in the midst of a crisis, and there are going to be some things that you just can't plan, you you cannot plan for certain things, but we can kind of expect, okay, well, well, what if this, sometimes that, that anxiety is actually to motivate us to make a plan, to have that, that plan B, and then letting go of the things that are out of my control. I cannot control the weather. Mm-hmm. It could, a storm could come in a minute and knock out my electricity, and there's nothing I can do about that. But if I stress and if I lose sleep over things that are out of my control, then that I am, that's, that, that, that ends up making things worse. And it can be really hard. So I don't minimize that. Like that is a really, really hard thing to do. But looking at what is in my control and then what is out of my control. Okay. What I'm hearing you say too is, as you can plan for a plan B, but maybe don't worry yourself out about a plan C and D and E. Cause I, I think we all know people who are like, well, what about this? And what happens with this? And all that kind of stuff, which I have to, I mean, that just sends us into a, t- a, a, a spin, right? 
And that's where I have people focus on what is. So when, when you get to that point where you're spinning out of control to stop and focus on what is, this moment is safe. This, this is a good moment. You have plan B and C because depending on the size. So it's just me, my husband, and one child. So I have a friend that she has two children that she homeschools and her plans may look a little bit different, but just you can tell when anxiety becomes noise, when it is just causing you additional pain and additional suffering. And it's not, and it's not that helpful anxiety that's motivating you to make sure that we have some extra bread in the freezer that we have, you know, because the, the bad anxiety makes people go and buy 20 things of toilet paper. When they only- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you're, if someone is listening and they're like, you know, I kind of, I, I, ch- I have a challenge with anxiety sometimes. And I think we, a lot of us do to varying degrees of level. How do you know? I mean, so you say when it's about, um, pain, additional pain and suffering. Is that how we know when that anxiety is becoming noise and not helping us? I really like to give resources. That is a big thing. And the work of Reed Wilson, he has a book called Stopping the Noise in My Head. And so if you do think that if things have been really stressful, then sometimes looking at, okay, There are lots of online questionnaires that people can do. Is my anxiety within a healthy range? People can talk with their primary care doctor if they are concerned. And some anxiety, like I said, is a normal reaction to a stressful situation. It would be odd if we were coming out of 2020, you know, continuing with 2021. And it was like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's no big deal. You yeah. know, all these things happened and for it to not have an impact, that would be strange. Um, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, when it was first called combat trauma, um, describing what veterans would, would experience returning home, they would say it is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. The problem is when people aren't able to adjust and adapt. So some people are going to adjust and adapt easily and they're not going to need extra support. So just listening to some podcasts, um, being able to check out some resources, that is going to be enough to keep them in a certain spot. Some people might need to talk with someone. And um, of course, I can't tell them what the difference of that is, but but they will know if it starts affecting where they're losing sleep for months on end. You know, it's affecting their appetite for months on end. It's affecting their ability to engage in, in social relationships. It's It's been hard. So we've gotten used to do, doing things on Zoom, to doing things online and being able to, to get back out there. It's been an adjustment to seeing people maskless now. Like I never thought that seeing somebody's face, you know, out in public, like, like sometimes that can, can trigger some of those reactions and responses too, as we adjust and adapt. But with anxiety, I do think it's important to note, to note that when I avoid what is triggering it, it makes that connection bigger. So yes. So that's where I work with a lot of kids. There are a lot of kids that might have some anxiety about going back to school. And one of the best things that we can do for them is empower them with some tools and resources to manage it and expect it to show up. And then 
because uh, I used to write notes to get kids out of school. <laughs> so, okay, school is causing a kid anxiety. Let me get them out of it. But that was really doing that child a, a disservice. And I switched to saying, okay, how can we make adjustments? How can we give this child a space they can go to to calm when the anxiety gets big? How can we develop a plan for it? But um, but but avoiding things that that trigger it often make that fear get even bigger. It's like somebody that's afraid of spiders um, when there are some spiders that we should be afraid of. But like if it's a harmless one um, that if I if I never, ever interact with it, if I always avoid it, that fear just gets bigger and bigger. I think um Brene Brown in one of her books, I can't remember what it was. She talked about, um, you're, you're like, yeah, I love, I, I love <laughs> um, her. she talked about making up stories in your head. Like I'm, I'm making up a story in my head and I, and I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about when we avoid that, then all of a sudden we start making up stories about what that, what's going to happen with that, which creates the yeah. anxiety to be worse. Yes. I, I love her work, especially her work on vulnerability and on, you know, sh- having having that courage, um, being able, but then also asking for help, because I think that that's the piece, um, especially as Christians, where I think sometimes people feel that their faith isn't big enough or I need to have I need to have faith for this. And and it's not that they don't have it takes faith to talk to your friend and let them know, like your safe, secure friend yeah. to not suffer in silence, um, to be able to safe people around you to be able to reach out for support when you need it. Well, so on that same vein, what would your encouragement be to the person who thinks, you know, if I just pray enough, I'll get better? Because I think, you know, there is, right, we we do believe in the power of prayer. We do believe in the healing power of Christ. And it's kind of like what you're talking about at the beginning. And I think that there's healing power in other meth- methods in addition to that. So what what would your what would your response be to someone who says, "Well, I'm just I'm just going to pray about this." I encourage them because often those people go to the doctor once a year. They go to the dentist every 6 months. They are taking care of other aspects of their wellness and mental health is just like all those other aspects of wellness. And I do understand people, so because sometimes people want to reach out to a Christian counselor, to a counselor that's going to have similar um, beliefs or that can integrate faith into treatment. And and so, or so there, sometimes depending on the issue, sometimes talking with your church group leader, talking, some churches have counseling centers, um, talking with the pastor, but if it is an issue that's really, really big, um, I just I think there's a lot of stigma with mental health, even within the church at times. Um, I remember working with someone that did better when they were on their medication, and and would have guilt about about needing it because they would pray to be to not have to take it. Um, but they also had other medical things and there wasn't that same guilt for the medical. And so that's where I would just encourage people. Mental health is just like all those other aspects of, of wellness. If it's a spiritual issue, medication won't help it. <laughs> Typically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's so if true. Medi- if medication helps, then there's likely a biological component to it. Right. Right. And all of that goes in. I remember reading, um, and the body keeps the score with, uh, uh, James Vander, 
Yes. Yeah. But he talked about, yeah, he said, you know, it's, it's such a both and scenario that he said, if medication worked for everything, then we wouldn't need therapists. And if medication didn't work and if all therapists work, then we wouldn't need medication, but we actually need both. And that's what the, that's the combination that a lot of people need, not everybody. But I think that that's a, that's a really powerful point. Okay. So we are getting ready to head back to school. We're heading back to work. (sighs) That's a lot. What kind of um, obstacles do you, and let me, I will say this too. I'm seeing this across the board because I have really made a lot of connections with mental health professionals doing this podcast. And I'm seeing this among everyone. They're like, strap on and take breath because this is going to get hairy for a minute. So what kinds of things can we plan for, not plan LMNOP, but plan B, plan C, and just kind of prepare ourselves for as we get back into, quote unquote, uh, what is it, the new normal? I don't even know what to call it. I think some kids might have a lot of anxiety, especially kids that did 100% virtual. There are some kids in our area that did not go back to school at all. And then um, there are other kids that in each county, each district is doing things differently. And so people will have to check and connect with with their district. If they are able to fit in a school tour before before school starts, um, especially so there are kids transitioning to kindergarten, transitioning to first grade, college, you know, high school. And so being able if there's anything they can do to help support those those transitions and then validating emotions while correcting behavior. So I can validate if my child comes home and says, oh, I had a horrible day. Hmm. Let's 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 talk about it. Oh, yeah, that that sounds tough. And then I can still, because it may be if my child has a little bit, they're saying it with an incorrect tone, I can correct the tone while still validating the emotion. I get you're upset. I need you to change the way the way you're saying it. Because mm-hmm. um, often with kids and teens, you will know something is wrong because of behaviors. They're not always going to, they're normally not going to tell you. Right. <laughs> it's normally going to show up in their behaviors. And so being able to, to to take a step back and and check in with them, I think is is really important. I don't worry about the kids as much. I worry about the adults more because we tend to be more rigid. <laughs> and that's where I believe in the book, I make the analogy of the, I don't, I don't think I put it in there, but the analogy of the cooked spaghetti noodle that snaps really easily, or we can be flexible. We can be a cooked, I think so the raw one, the raw no, spaghetti. No. Yeah, the raw one breaks really easily. The cooked spaghetti noodle is flexible and you can bend it, you can twist it, and it can flow with any changes that that come. And so I do think that people will have to flow with whatever is happening and manage the emotions that that come up. Um, uh, I use coping skills. I use things. So there are things that I do that kind of help when I feel anxious, when I feel angry when I feel sad. There are things that we can do that can kind of help. And that's where um, certain music or scriptures or prayer, or that's where people use their their tools um, um, that can kind of help with within those moments. Um, I also like to validate and normalize crying. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so 
tears crying they've tested tears and their stress hormones so when you get a good cry sometimes oh, really? you feel a little bit better yes uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah yeah that's actually something i've been working on so i didn't i grew up with a funny sort of emotions like i i and i've done a little bit of story work so i kind of have an idea of where this came from but like i'll easily cry at hallmark commercials or you know something like that but i have a real hard time like showing emotions, uh, or I have had, and I've been really working on that of like, it is okay. And especially like if I'm with my husband or my boys, one of the reasons I haven't wanted to cry because it's that now they're like, is mom going to cry? Is she going to cry? Is this going to make her tear up? You know, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not some sideshow to, <laughs> to this, but I have found, and I've, and a lot of it's just been work on myself. I'm like, I'm safe. Like these people love me no matter what. And it's okay it's okay if I cry. And then I do feel a lot better. And I've definitely ha- had my crying <laughs> recently. So that's interesting that that's a hormone. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so going back to like going back to school and to work and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, we were, we, I, so I was just talking with a girl in my Toastmasters and she said, we're going back to the office in, uh, she said after Labor Day. So we live in the suburbs of Houston and she works downtown. All of a sudden she now has two and a half hours less of her day because the commute is so bad going into downtown and out of downtown. Um, what kinds of things can we do with all of these just change schedules. And sometimes schedules bring a lot of peace to us, but what kind of things can we do um, to prepare for a, a flexible, a a cooked spaghetti noodle uh, response um, with regard to our mental health? And that's where I would encourage someone because maybe she could listen to audiobooks on her way in and out. Maybe there's something right now that being home, she's not able to do and really cherish the time that 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 she has now. My my husband teleworks right now. He's able to work from home. They're not sure when he'll be returning to the office, but it's going to be the same thing where it's going to add more more time. He's going to have less time with family. Um and and so I think being able to look for the good in what you don't like. Because you can easily burn out when it's just bad, 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 when it's just all of this negative and being mindful of who you vent to <laughs> because and who you let vent to you of what is it doing to how you feel. Because there are times when ta- when venting with the coworkers can sometimes make you feel a little bit worse. <laughs> yeah. But Or there's other times where it makes you feel better. So just being very aware, we call it emotional intelligence. So just being aware of how you're feeling and then regulating whatever emotions come up. Um, but I think being able to, because there's a piece of that that's going to be out of people's control. So having to commute, um, going back into the office, having less less time with family, um, but they might be excited about getting a little break. Yeah. And that might be good. So I have stayed in my office during this whole, because I have a three going on four-year-old and they do not have boundaries. It's it's part of being a child. And and so when when, when I do work from home, 
it's really hard because my son is like, I always can, can talk to mama. <laughs> like, right. why can't I, I don't understand. Wait a minute. Why is she talking to other children? And so um, uh, being able to come to my office and him being at daycare, there are some positives. And then we, and then I manage because it does, him being at daycare is a higher risk. Um, uh, he's three, he's not eligible for, for, for a vaccine or anything. And so being able to, to just manage those risks and, um, and take whatever precautions are necessary for, for, for your family. It is really weird. And the, you know, it's funny when you were talking about a break, I'm one of the points of contention that I had with my husband years and years and years ago. So again, we, we live in the suburbs too. And he was traveling, he was commuting in and I had two babies in 20 months. And so I had like one on the hip and one on the boob. And it was just, I mean, it was exhausting. I don't know how people do more than that. And, (laughs) and I remember saying to him one time, I said to him one time, but at least you get a break when you're in the car. And of course, the traffic here is horrendous. And he's stop and go. And he's, he's, it's just, a, it's a stressful situation. And he did not agree that it was a break. We'll just say that. <laughs> Please know Dr. Barry agrees with you. At least he gets a break. Okay. Because when I'm driving in the car with, with my son, we're talking cars and trucks and um, it's, it's nice for, for me to have this time when I'm, when I'm in the office, not having to worry about keeping another human alive. Like yeah. it's, it's really, really <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I want to go back to, a little bit to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking some about TikTok. So I don't, I don't want to, um, assume anything and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like one of the things that you are doing, particularly through your social media platforms is really trying to destigmatize mental health. And you're nodding. So I'm thinking, I think you agree with me on that. And what kind of shift? So I'm going to make this kind of a two part question in the interest of time. What kind of shift are you seeing in how we manage our mental health? And is this destigmatizing? And then also, as a woman of color, have you been able to, how, how is this um, being perceived in communities of color? Because my understanding is sometimes mental health is a little bit harder. Um, it's a harder, you know, thing to crack uh, in, in particularly in the black community, but I think a lot of, in, in a lot of different communities of color. So can you talk with us just a little bit about that? Yes. And that was another goal of mine with being more active on social media was to the destigmatize mental health, just because often it's viewed as weakness. Um, sometimes it's viewed as something that some people just don't have, and really, mental health affects everyone. It's something that 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 we because mental health is just our emotional well being. We all have an emotional well being, and there are times when we need extra support. My own therapy. Um, I am open about my own journey. Um, my first therapist wasn't the right fit. And that's something that, that I talk about because it took me about five years to try again after having, cause I thought maybe there, I don't know. I thought I, I broke therapy. I don't know. Like <laughs> I, just, I didn't know, like why didn't, cause she was a good person, but she just yeah. wasn't the right fit. And then the second person I reached out to didn't show up for the appointment. And then my third oh. person, I exactly, 
then the third person was the right fit. And so be talking about that because people experience that. There are a lot of barriers that people face when they do try to access mental health. There are because there are a lot of barriers that can be in place regarding insurance and how much is it going to cost and just availability, all those different things. Will the person call you back? And so I wanted to be very vocal about that. Um, mental health has not always been, so the counseling room has not always been a safe a safe place for, for people of color. Um, the American Psychological Association and the American Medical Association both issued apologies within the last year about their role in racism, wow. that uh, there are certain diagnoses that we know were overdiagnosed within the Black community. We know that that, tra- that certain traumas were not, especially related to racism and experiences, those things were not always handled well, where a therapist might question if somebody was experiencing racism or was it in their head, which is extremely wow. invalidating to, to an individual. And so... Um, being an African-American therapist, that really, um, I work with clients from all cultural backgrounds, um, but specifically a lot of a lot of Black women specifically and some Black men seek me out because they want to work with somebody that, that, that looks like them. Yeah. And um, I think speaking out about my own journey and then also just talking about, hey, it's okay to not be okay. There are certain things that people might have learned within families or there are certain patterns in order to break free from some things that we've experienced, really reaching out for help. People might might have to do that. Um, there are a lot of celebrities that have partnered and that are doing um, similar similar efforts um, and being on, on social media, it gives a larger platform to be able to get that message across. Yeah. Well, I think what you're doing is so great. And, um, and you, I think you are clearly a part of the destigmatization. Is that a word (laughs) of, uh, of, of receiving mental health, of taking care of our, um, taking care of our brain. And, um, and I love what you're doing too, for the African-American community as well, because that is an additional, it's an additional barrier. I think it's hard for anyone who's great, you know, anyone who grew up in the seventies and eighties and, you know, it, it's, it's still hard sometimes to be like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this. And I think that to your point, there have definitely been additional barriers. And I hate to hear that the trauma of racism was not recognized for so long. And it's a, it's a small first step with the, with your professional organizations um, acknowledging that and, you know, uh, Latasha Morrison talks about and be the bridge, like you've, you've got it. Uh, what was the one the word that she used, but just saying, yeah, I mean, apologizing and um, that's got to be the first step in acknowledging and apologizing. So I think that is great. Okay. So I want to honor your time. I have a few more questions that I ask all of my guests. So the first one is I am fascinated by tattoos. (laughs) I don't have any, but I have found that often people who choose to have permanent body art have a really interesting story associated with them. So I was wondering if you have any tattoos, if you would be willing to share what it is and if there's a meaning behind it. And if you don't, if you had to get one, what would it be and where would you put it? I do not have any tattoos. And if I did get one, I would probably have 
something, probably a quote from Langston Hughes. Uh, our son's name is is Langston um, after that that African American poet, and so I would I would probably put um, a quote on my on, on on my arm on my on my upper arm. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm not familiar with him. I'll have to go. I'll have to check him out. That's awesome. And then do you have a meaningful Bible verse that you would like to share with our with my community? Yes. And so Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And I think um, often we don't give ourselves room to be mad at God and to not understand. And that is something that I really embrace, especially related to grief and related to just, you don't have to be happy all the time. And that within the Bible, there's a lot about emotions. Like yeah. people were at very strong emotions and um, we have the same range and, and that that's okay. That it doesn't mean because somebody's sad doesn't mean that they are a bad Christian or that they're not strong enough for. Um, and so that's where I really believe people do the best they can. And then to reach out for support when they're best, when they need some, it's not getting them the goals and the results that they're looking for. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, trusting not only in the good times, but also in the in the sadness and the hardness and the trauma and the grief. Yeah. That's and that's a that's a tall order sometimes, but that's why there are no perfect Christians as well. <laughs> No perfect people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, tell people how they can connect with you. I am at Dr. Patrice Berry across all platforms, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and recently Twitter. And my podcast is Mind Your Legacy. Legacy moment. Mind Your Legacy moment. <clears throat> right. Yes. Okay. So I have to tell you, I was telling you this actually before we came on listeners, please go listen to this podcast. This is the perfect combination of, of professional wisdom that Dr. Barry has and experience that her mom has. And what I really love about it is you guys will play off of each other a little bit. And I feel like you're both learning from each other as you're going through this. And your mom is the kind of mom that you you would want, like if my kid was going to someone's house and they were going to be hanging out with their mom, like that's the mom. <laughs> and you said in one of your episodes that your friends called her mama Johnny. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I would want, I want a mama Johnny in my mm -hmm. life because she sounds so wise. And, and I'm just going to put a plug in. I'm just going to put a request in for her to share her story <laughs> because she's got, um, I would be, I would love to know a little bit more about hers, but, but please, 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 you guys mind your legacy moments. It is fantastic, high quality. And, um, I can't wait to see where that goes. Cause you, that's, it's, it's just such a blessing. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. And really, we started it because of the community on TikTok. And I had been on a few other podcasts. And my mom, I just trust her so much. And we have authentic conversations. So what people are hearing, so we actually will be like, all right, we, we want to talk about boundaries. And we will not talk about it until I ha until I, I, I hit record. Because if we start the conversation before, like it just, it won't be as good. Um, we post them to YouTube. And so people can check out the recordings on YouTube as well or um, on their podcast streaming. 
Yeah, there's so many different ways to get it. And it's definitely worth your time. So if you are going back to work, and you are commuting and have more time, this is a good one to listen to. (laughs) All right, Dr. Barry, thank you so much for your time. I know life is bananas for you right now. And I really appreciate you coming on. I know my, uh, my community is going to be very blessed by all that you have to say. I can't wait to give this to them. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. I'm glad we were able to connect. The minute I finished recording this episode, I sent my group of college friends all of Dr. Barry's information. I said, you guys have got to listen to this podcast, Legacy Moments. And then I said, and we all have, most of us have teen kids. And I said, get your kids over on her TikTok account. It's such good information. And then, of course, I have her book that is in the queue, ready to read, uh, Turning Crisis into Clarity. And I cannot wait for more of her wisdom. Be sure to check her out. All of her socials and links are in the show notes below. Don't forget to check out the goodies over at gracedhealth.com slash resources. And if you have been listening to the show for a while, would you do me an enormous favor and rate and review it, particularly on um, Apple iTunes. That's really helpful with the algorithms, with getting information out there. And let's be honest, I don't want to buy something on Amazon if it only has one or two reviews. I would like to know a general consensus. And so if you get, if you can do that, that would be very appreciated by me. What's the one simple thing to remember, which is something I try and provide after a really rich conversation every time. My biggest takeaway from this conversation is when anxiety creeps up, acknowledge it, but don't avoid it and come up with a plan or two, but don't go through the entire gamut of every possible scenario. And we didn't talk about this, but for me personally, that means at two o'clock in the morning, you just tell my brain, okay, we're not going to think about that right now. Because otherwise, I'm going to be up until five, which is when I get up anyway. Okay, that is all for today. Go out there and have a graced day. 